Hey there, for Millo, I'm Preston, and you are listening to Side Gig, the show about what it really takes to start and run a successful side hustle. We are pumped to be back for season three, and when I say we, you know the hosts of today's episode from previous seasons of the show. There's Ryan, Ian, and me, Preston. We've all built or are building growing side businesses while thriving at a nine to five desk job. That's right, you heard me right. One of us has taken a nine to five desk job once again, More information on that later in the episode, but this season we've got some incredible topics for you, including scaling your side hustle, landing big clients, getting clients to come to you, finding sponsorships, building an audience, and lots, lots more. It's going to be a fantastic season, and we're so glad that you're here. I won't keep you waiting any longer. Let's dive right into today's conversation, and I'll be back at the end of the show for some parting thoughts. So I think, um, I think you know, what we really want to answer today, Ryan, is for anyone who, who realized or learned just now that, that you, you had a side hustle, then you left your job to pursue your side hustle as a full-time thing, you know, be a full-time freelancer, work for yourself full-time. You did that for a little while and then uh, a job comes along and, and you take that job as actually a client, obviously, that converted into a full-time job. So the real question is, I think that we really want to answer today, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is you know, for people listening who maybe have taken their side hustle full time or are getting ready to what, what's the, what's the right moment, if ever, to take a job again, you know, it, it can be really easy for us to sort of preach this idea of like only working for yourself, but there are valid moments in which it might make sense to take a full time job again, even if your long term goals are to work for yourself 100%. I, I just would love to hear sort of the reasoning behind it. Um, and, and I'd love to offer insight to anyone who may be going through the same sort of situation or might in the future as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I will be the first to tell you that, um, this was very unexpected for me. And, um, I think the answer to your question as with most here on the podcast is it depends, right? So, um, making the right call for the unique situation you're in is, is sort of going to be. Um, a game time decision of like taking stock of, you know, where you're at with your business, right? So um, before I took my full-time gig um, with Close.io starting earlier this year, um, I was essentially freelancing full-time. Um, I had been doing kind of a series of uh, courses on my website, um, selling some consulting packages, working with people who wanted to start freelancing in more of a coaching um, context and, you know, sponsorships from my podcast. I had a few different revenue sources, um, some sponsorships on the blog, email list, um, a lot of different things where I was kind of piecing together my income and, um, the opportunity to join Close.io full time sort of came about and I started to see it as this way to, um, reduce stress that had been building up for me. Um, so over the past, you know, doing freelancing full time for almost two years, it was, um, I started to get tired of constantly pitching new clients and, you know, filtering through inbound leads all the time, um, trying to research who I should reach out to. Um, I take a very, very in-depth detailed process to pitching clients, um, to positioning myself, to having sales calls, to like really, truly vetting who I work with, because I don't want to be unhappy with the clients that I book for myself. And because that's so in time intensive and honestly, emotionally <laughs> intensive too, um, I was getting a little tired of it. And I, I didn't really realize it until I had this opportunity from Steli 
um, at Close.io who was sort of just like really um, poking me over the course of uh, the entire year of 2017 when I started working with them. Um, he kind of just bugged me consistently. Like, hey, are you are you ready? Or are you interested in considering full time? Um, so it was kind of this combination of flattery um, from him, right? So <laughs> feeling that I was really, really, you know, wanted to come and pitch in on his team full time, and then recognizing that I was growing tired of working with four or five different clients at a time, and somehow trying to find time to also pitch on the side. Um, you know, sell some courses, do some coaching. Um, so this opportunity to join Close full time was an opportunity to scale back all the other stuff I'm doing. And and I think this kind of comes in conjunction with me thinking really hard about what I want my future to look like. And, you know, now I have this sort of context in my mind where the next time that I jump back into working for myself, um, being self-employed full time, it's going to be a very different kind of business. I don't want to do freelancing, consulting full-time again. Um, I would rather have some sort of product or a startup of my own. And so, you know, I get this massive benefit of now working closely with Steli, someone who's built a multi-million dollar startup. Um, he's my direct boss. And so I'm getting to learn things from him that I've never learned from other people before. So it's been kind of this culmination of a lot of good things. Um, that I see as sort of a, a pit stop along my longer term journey of you know being in business for myself. So uh, you know we we took this job, I took this job rather um, with Steli, and we're on the same page that this isn't going to be a forever thing for me. Um, it's going to be a journey that lasts as long as it lasts um, for as long as we continue getting value out of each other and things are working out. Um, but he knows what my goals are, and that was something that was actually um, more attractive about me joining his team was that he wants to work with entrepreneurial people as well. And, and he sort of views working with his employees as a long-term, potentially lifelong relationship. And so that was, that was something too, that really just was sort of like the, the cherry on top of the Sunday for me was like, man, this guy, this guy really gets it. I feel like I'm on the same page with him. And it's like Ian said, you know, you're getting the best of both worlds. You you still work 100% remote, as does the rest of the company. So you can you can travel, you can live anywhere you want to. Uh, and, and they measure results based on, uh, you know, the actual value that you bring to the company instead of, you know, the number of hours that you put in or whatever. So you're really getting the best of both worlds, a steady paycheck, predictable income, I should say, is really the the higher sort of version of that. Um, you, you have predictable income, but you also have the flexibility and autonomy that you need for your lifestyle and for your, your working style. So I, I mean, I think it's, it's fantastic. Obviously the way you're talking about it, you're, you're very excited about it. It seems like a great move. It's not like you begrudgingly took a, a, another job and it comes back to, I think to that conversation that we had in episode two last season, as a, as a quick reminder, we talked a lot about your long-term vision as as a side hustler or as a as an entrepreneur or whatever where we talked about you know it's not just about quitting your job or it's not just about being rich or like any of these things that we tend to sort of isolate it's about what what does your what do you want your life to look like in 5 10 15 20 years and i'm not talking about goals i'm talking about a vision what what do you want your lifestyle to look like what do you want uh your day to day to look like and this actually 
like you said, Ryan, feeds into that perfectly because eventually one day you would like to work for yourself again. But like you said, maybe you'd like to try a startup or maybe you'd like to have a product or something that you can learn a lot from these guys at Close. Am I saying that right? Or is it Close IO? <laughs> Interchangeable. Okay. All right. So you're learning a lot from these guys at Close about how to build a quality product, how to run a startup and a very successful startup as well. So I love how it's all comes back to this idea of vision, right? It's you're not like selling out. You're not, you're not uh, completely changing your long-term vision for yourself. This is just another pit stop on the way to whatever it is that you want to get to eventually. Right. And another thing I want to mention too, that's really important to this equation is, you know, in my negotiations with Steli about taking this job, um, I said very clearly like, Hey, I've got all these side projects. I've got, you know, one or two freelance clients that I might want to continue working with. Um, is that going to be a problem? And he very clearly was like, no, not at all. Like, I love that. That is part of what we love about you is that you're going to keep doing these things. And and we're going to get side benefits from you going out and taking on all these other projects too. And so could not be more on the same page. And and that, in my experience, has been so very rare. Um, yeah. and, and to see that he actually walks the walk is also very rare. I know um, I personally see it as it's such an incredible opportunity because like we said, it is that um, balance between, uh, you know, freelance lifestyle, but having... Um, you know, a stable income. So I'm just really curious to know, like, if you hadn't gone freelance, do you think this opportunity would have been there for you? Oh, that's such a great way to look at it. I will say 100% no, um, because I wouldn't have gotten this contract with Stellium with Clothes unless I had gone full-time um, with freelancing because when I went full time with freelancing, there was sort of this, you know, oh shit moment of like, I'm going to need more clients. And I was spending so much more time doing outreach. And, you know, Close was one of the companies that I did outreach to. Whereas if I had had a full time gig previously, I wouldn't have taken the time to do the outreach to them. So I'm going to go with probably not. Um, would have been highly unlikely for them to reach out to me out of the blue. Mm, I know what I find really interesting with it is that um, I know to some degree we're talking about going back to getting a full-time job, but this is different. You know, it's, it's, it's basically you've gone freelance contracting, but now you, you are literally a full-time contractor to one specific client and you're tied in with them. I, I think it's, it's totally different to actually having a full-time job somewhere else where you go to the office and so on. So I, I just kind of think it's like the, the next level. And I, I think it's amazing what you've done. And, um, you know, obviously to get the opportunity is fantastic because you really do have the freedom of a freelancer, but the security of, um, working for a full-time employer. So it's like, it's kind of like you won the career lottery. <laughs> you've got this fantastic <laughs> where you just got the benefits of both sides. Yeah. And I think, you know, unexpectedly, um, timing wise, it was actually something that could not have been better for me at the time that it came along. Um, this year has been kind of a wild one for me as far as, you know, we moved to Colorado late in 2017. We just moved back to San Francisco um, so that my girlfriend could take a job in the city. And so just a time of crazy change, you know, both personally and professionally. So Having the stability here and not 
needing to feel the pressure of like, oh my gosh, I need to be reaching out to this many people so I can book this many deals and have this much income um, has been very welcome at this juncture. I'd like to actually circle back to that idea a little bit, Ryan, if we could, you know, for people who are maybe considering taking their side gig full time, because there is a very dramatic difference between, uh, oh, this is nice income to have extra on the side and oh, this is the only way I make money now. And some people take their side gig full-time and their spouse or their partner is still working a full-time gig somewhere. So, you know, it's, it can be different depending on your situation, obviously. But, um, but talk, talk to us a little bit about, so, so we're now, this, this isn't chronological, obviously. We're now going back to uh, when you left your job, you started freelancing full-time. It was in this moment that you found clients like Close, but, but, in all the outreach and all the work that you were doing to build a client base, I mean, what what was happening in those moments that really was was bringing the stress? Maybe maybe things you didn't expect that we should warn listeners about so that they can anticipate it when they do attempt to take a side hustle full time. That's a really good question, and I think some some much needed context would help sort of fill in some gaps there. So, you know, when when we moved to Denver back in uh, fall of 2017, uh, my girlfriend quit her job, and she was looking for jobs. She was interviewing sort of remotely in the lead up to our move, but we we sort of landed on like, hey, you know, you're you're going to find a gig that's right for you once we get there. Once you can meet with companies in person, it's going to be so much easier, right? Um, and with what she does, she does HR for startups here in San Francisco. That's been kind of her thing for the past few years. And, you know, once we arrived, I was our sole source of income. I was doing the freelance stuff full time, uh, you know, in conjunction with my blog courses, coaching, things like that. Right. So um, we had this really sort of gap period of time where we figured like, okay, probably not going to take you more than three months. I can support us no problem for three months. Um while you find your dream job. And we had, she had the hardest time finding the right gig for her. There were just way fewer companies um, compared to San Francisco that are in the stage where they're hiring like HR managers, right? Right, Not not something we really anticipated. And so she had a hard time finding roles that would pay essentially more than half of what she was making in the Bay area. Wow. And it was, it was hard for her to accept something that would be, know, such a drastic pay cut, just the, the psychological um, difficulty in, in accepting that was too much, basically. So she took on some contract roles, like she she stayed busy, but we knew that that after a few months, this wasn't looking good from a long-term career standpoint. And so she had kind of this standing offer to come back to San Francisco anytime with her previous boss, um, who really, really liked her. So that was kind of our our decision was to go back to the Bay Area where we know she would be able to get a, a higher paying job. And that kind of made the difference for us. But yeah, I mean, with with that context, right? Like I, I had in my mind much more stress because I was supporting us. Um, the plans weren't going according to how we thought they would. And that stress was building up with me. And so this offer with Close kind of came at the same time as we were realizing that her finding her dream job probably wasn't going to happen right now in Denver. It's so interesting because it it sounds so obvious now saying it in hindsight, but I almost, I almost had a similar experience to where I didn't realize again, this sounds so stupid, but I didn't realize 
that when I went from uh, a successful side gig and a full-time job to just working on my business, that we would essentially, as a family, my wife um, right now doesn't work. And, and so that we essentially, I mean, let me get that straight. She works more than I do. <laughs> she takes care of our kids during the day while I, while I work at the quote unquote office. But, um, but I didn't realize that we were going to basically go from two incomes to one income. Right. And so we basically cut our income in half. Again, it sounds so stupid in saying it now, but like you just, I don't know. So I, I felt the similar, I felt a similar thing when I first started off, it was sort of like, Oh, this is a lot of extra uh, pressure now to really make this work. And I wonder if, you know, sometimes people as they're building their side hustle, they might say, Oh, if I can just match my income, uh, then I'll quit my job. Well, the truth of the matter is in the process of matching your income, you're actually doubling your income. And so then to quit your job, you've then cut your income in half. I'm not really a math person, but <laughs> all that to say, it can be a little bit more stressful than maybe you expect. I know from my side, it's, it's, it's one of the main reasons why I'm um, hesitant on actually quitting my part-time job because I'm quite comfortable having that, you know, guaranteed income um, each month. So losing that, it, it is very, very daunting. And um, there is I, something about you income Preston, because you, you've now, you've now, you know, literally gone full time, haven't you? I personally, I, I'm very, very hesitant to actually take that leap just because. I need that money coming in, you know, because I, I have a mortgage to pay and um, uh, currently that, that salary, that part-time salary is enough to cover that and just losing that and being totally 100% reliant on myself, finding my own clients, getting the work done. You know, you have to do everything when you work for yourself and, you know, if it's not coming in, uh, you have an issue, but when you work for someone else, it's guaranteed. Hey everyone, it's Preston here with a quick interruption to tell you about this insanely cool company called Ecosia. With Ecosia, you can literally plant trees while you search the web. See, they use over 80% of their profits to plant trees around the world. They plant in hotspots around the globe where the value will be greatest for the environment and the communities living there. Plus, Ecosia is a privacy-friendly search engine. They believe that an individual's personal data, including their search queries, are their own business and no one else's. You can learn more at ecosia.co slash side gig that's e-c-o-s-i-a dot c-o slash side gig this episode is sponsored by lorem a new marketplace that connects small business owners with freelance developers and designers who are experts in wordpress shopify squarespace mailchimp and other diy platforms whether you're a freelancer looking to connect with new clients or a side hustler who needs to offload a few creative tasks visit asklorem.com Enter promo code SIDEGIGS10 and save 10% on your first project. That's asklorum.com. And now, back to the show. Yeah. And one thing that I want to say, you know, over time, I've gradually sort of revised my number, my magic number that I have to make from uh, side projects in order to feel confident in quitting my job. And I think, you know, last season, we talked about uh, when I actually quit my job and went uh, full-time with freelancing, my number was like 75%. I wanted to have 75% of my day job's income coming from side projects in order to feel confident. And now 
I do feel differently about that number. I think that I would much rather have closer to two times what my full-time job salary is paying me before I quit my job in the future. And, And that's solely just because of that security question, right? Like things in my life are changing, right? Like we want to get married. We want to have a family. We want to do all these things that are going to add more responsibilities to our plate. And so revising that number based on your own unique life situations, I think is key. There is a risk though, because I, so I, I guess I was maybe, I'm maybe a few years ahead of you in that whole thing. You know, I've got three kids and my wife obviously, uh, and I are all, you know, it's our job to keep our family fed and in a house and warm and protected. Um, and the problem that I found with that, I, I was with you, Ryan, it was sort of like, ah, two or three times, you know, and I would feel more than comfortable. Um, but then I found it was taking so long to do that because I had, you know, I was only working a couple hours a day, maybe on my side hustle. It was taking so long that at work, I was also like getting raises and promotions. And so it was almost this like race to see like, like every time I almost got to my magic number, which was, you know, one and a half or two times, uh, I would get a raise and then the magic number would change because the amount I was making in my day job would change. So it, if you're not careful, it can be this never ending chase because what I will add also is as soon as I got fired, now I, I, I had the, I guess the for, the good fortune of getting let go. Cause as I've mentioned on the show before, I'm not sure I ever would have left my job. If I'm being completely honest mm-hmm. and self-aware, I'm not sure I ever would have left, but I, I was let go. And in that moment I started working on, like uh, an idea that I had been sitting on for probably six or eight months that was subscription based. So that's one way Ian that I sort of dealt with that initially is, is I said, look, I have no predictable income right now. Like if I die, if I stop working or if I get sick or whatever, if I stop reaching out to clients and sponsors, I won't make any money. And so what can I build that, that can help me, have a little bit more predictable income. And, and I never would have done that if I hadn't gotten kicked out of the job. And so there's this weird, like, yes, you want to be prepared and you want to, you know, we're all three of us are advocates of being prepared and ready before you just up and quit a job. But, but I've also realized that there's, there's also a power to like just doing it too, because in that moment, when you need the money, you find a way to make money a lot of times. But, but again, not without that foundation. So I think, I think if I had to like revise my best advice, instead of saying like, when your side gig is making, you know, one time, you know, same, the same as your day job or two times or three times as much, I would maybe say once you have 12 months of runway, like figure out what you spend every month as a person or as a family, once you have maybe eight or 12 months of runway, meaning if you made no money for 12 months, you could still survive at your current burn rate that would be a comfortable place for me at least to leave my job and pursue my side business full time. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on all that? I know from my side, I'm finding it really interesting uh, listening to this because both of you have now literally um, gone from having a side business to um, a full-time business of your own. And uh, the way that I would kind of see it is that I would like to think that if I could earn enough money to cover my costs on going then technically if i then go full time i would have a lot more time to spend working on the projects so you could therefore make more money but 
based on what you're both saying, that's not necessarily the case. Am I right? Am I understanding that right I'm from you guys? I'm finding six months later that it's the case, but I sort of expected it to be like that first week. All of a sudden, I would have 40 hours a week that I didn't have before. And, and you know, some of the things I did early on are starting to pay off now, like some affiliate relationships and, and that sort of thing. But I guess I, I sort of expected it to be like, well, if, you know, working 10 hours a week, I make x then working 40 hours a week i'm gonna make 4x no problem and and that wasn't necessarily the case right away i think it's starting to pan out now but it, but it wasn't that way initially so basically um i guess we we could kind of assume that when you do take that jump you're going to be carry on earning the same amount of money for a period of time because you need to like lay the foundations for the next phase of what's going to happen with your business so in order to allow for that time you need that runway until you take that jump. I think it, I find that fascinating to hear that you both had similar experiences with that. Yeah, and and Ryan, feel free to jump in if if your experience was different than mine. I'm sure it was a little bit, but um, I I also I think it depends on the kind of work that you're doing. You know, if if you're doing, let's say you're you're a, you're an Upwork freelancer, right, and you're doing that on the side, and you're getting requests all the time and turning them down, and it's just a matter of putting in more hours to make more money. Well, then once you have more free hours, then yeah, you are going to make more money. But I was, just to give context, as you guys know, I was pitching sponsors. And there's there's only so many like sponsorship slots I can sell in a given amount of time without oversaturating it. And there's this whole balance with it. And so I had to develop new revenue streams, not just sell more sponsorships. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, there was this, there was this time of like diversifying. <laughs> I think it just depends so much on what you're doing. Absolutely. Right? You have to look at if you have a huge pipeline of clients, let's say you're freelancing, um, then that could potentially be different. But if you're if you're just thinking like, oh, I'm going to have so much more time to pitch and do outreach and stuff, there's going to be your same exact sales cycle. No matter how fast you want to move, it's still going to take that entire process of you know, sending an outreach email, following up twice, getting the call booked, um, getting a contract signed, and then starting work and then getting paid, right? right? So those things aren't going to change overnight just because you're ready to do more of it. Um, but it does depend on the kind of business that you're working with. I know based on that, on my situation, um, I could probably take that take that leap and pretty much immediately start to make more money because I do have those potential projects. Um, but I think as like a safety net, I would probably ramp up my marketing just before, just so that I do have extra um, inquiries coming in so that I, I definitely 100% got too much so that I could actually do um, more work when needed. It's really interesting to understand that these different business models have these different risks in different ways. I think Ian, what I would do in your situation is since you have a huge backlog of clients that want to work with you, um, that tells me that you should be charging more for your work. I think if you did higher priced work with less people, then that could kind of be a win-win. And it might even shoot you into like a totally new classification of design work. Mm. It's interesting you say that because it is one thing that I I have started to do. Um, I, I put my prices up by nearly like 50% in some cases, um, doubled and, um, because I, I was finding that 
um, I know we've spoken about this a few times on, on the podcast. I was getting to a point where I was working almost all the time without realizing. So, you know, even like the weekend would come and rather than chilling out, I'd, I'd be finishing off some project that, you know, I needed to take a little bit longer on. So what I, what I'm actually doing now is I've increased my prices and I'm taking on less. Um, so, but I think I could probably go higher, but I wouldn't, it would need me to look at rebranding. Um, but yeah, it's interesting you say that, Ryan, because that is definitely something, um, I agree with and something that I need to look at. And, um, I want to like add on more services and other things so that I can increase the value of each client ongoing as well. Um, so there's definitely a lot that can be done based on your specific circumstances. Yeah, see, and, I, and I'm thinking, I love how we're sort of all just bra- like naturally brainstorming too around the situation. But I had the thought, you know, if you have so many inquiries coming in and, and there's a, a percentage of them that they just won't pay your current prices, um, why not find a way to send a pipeline to, you know, another designer and take a cut of that? And that becomes still revenue that you're earning, but really you're getting a fraction of it, but, but it, but there's zero work involved. I mean, you're forwarding emails. I'm actually doing that as well. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've actually got, um, I've actually got that all set up. So I've, I've got someone that, um, checks my emails for me and, um, I, I keep, I keep them updated on my availability. And basically if I'm booked out for like two months in advance, they will start passing over projects to different people. So I built a community that's allowed me to find people and I got people at different price points. So I got people at like the hundred pound point, the 500 pound point, thousand pound point. And, um, I've got, um, a couple of people in specialist areas as well. And, um, I've agreed with them, uh, to take 20% slice. And what I do is, uh, I split that 50, 50 with, uh, Monica, who's helping me with my emails. So she's got an incentive to, um, pass those over and, um, I get a slice of that. So literally I, I get that income without having to do any work, which is fantastic. That's brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that's the kind of thinking that uh, allowed me to eventually, uh, you know, take mine full time as well. And obviously I was sort of forced into the situation, but it was it was building processes ahead of time that bring in revenue without me having to be directly involved. I didn't realize how much more of that I needed until I took it full time and, and realized I need way more of this predictable income. But if you're listening and you're just starting on your side hustle or you feel like it can't quite survive without you, like you can make zero dollars with, or sorry, zero pounds or any sort of money (laughs) without you directly working on the business, it's time to start building some systems into your business to where you can get some predictable revenue. I would have to say with that, um, that process was actually a lot harder than uh, what I thought to work. So I, I was literally thinking, okay, all these people that were saying yes, um, I would be able to just pass them over to someone else. But actually there was a high percentage of those people that uh, didn't want to go ahead for whatever reason. And I had to find out what was going on. Like why wasn't they wanting to go ahead with that person? Was like maybe it, they wanted to work uh, with you or work? they want to work with me. Yeah. So it didn't always work out, but um, we've mm. actually, a, a lot of, a lot of the communication is by email. Um, so what we actually do now, if I can't take it on, we automatically refer it so they can get in touch. So we, we're trying to just close that gap and that's been more successful. Uh, we tried different people as well. So if someone's not working, I've, 
I've got it so that we've got someone else that we can try and, um, you know, we're keeping an eye eye on like the percentage of projects that's being closed by someone over someone else. And um, it's not as easy. It really is not as easy as what what you think, because when someone comes to you, they want to work with you. They don't want to work with someone else. And also you need to bear in mind that they are probably doing their research. So if um if they if they contacted like 10 people and then they've got this one person that's going oh are you interested in me passing over this project they're probably not going to be interested um so yeah i i just really want to make it clear it's not as easy as what it sounds and you have to make sure that process works properly um we're still playing with it but we're finding um the 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 people matter um and the the actual speed of getting back to them to say i'm not available um is helping and also being transparent like if if i know that i'm pretty busy what i would do is i will actually put on my website <laughs> that if i'm not available we may refer you to someone else um hmm. at the moment there's like, like an entirely I, I don't know if you guys know about gdpr um in in europe yeah. we have new um laws on confidentiality so actually just referring it over to someone else is actually a breach of that so i've needed to change my privacy policy when (laughs) there's there's a lot of um cogs involved in that so is i have been thinking that it might be easier to actually take on the project and employ that person and we work on it as a company and you assume a more creative director kind of role yeah, that would probably actually be more successful because we could just take it on, get someone else to do it, keep an eye on it, but then we still send it over from, I would still send it to the client. Um, but that's that's more work, but that's probably what I would do if I was actually um, full-time so that I still take on those, you know, like you're talking like the 100, 200 pound projects. For me, it's not worth it. But if I can get, you know, 40 pounds from that then you know just by passing it over to someone else then obviously it's it's worth considering um so yeah even be running an agency over, yeah, before you yeah, know yeah. it yeah it's just juggling how to make it work and uh, making sure the conversion rate is there so um obviously every business is different but I, I feel that you need to kind of test these things and try them out before you know just assuming i've got all these inquiries i'll just pass them over to someone else it's going to be easy it's not easy it's really not easy um but finally after like i would say like a year of trying different things we've actually got a system in place now where um a good i think it's like 20 percent of the projects that we pass over go through so um you know some months it's a couple of hundred pounds extra that we wasn't expecting so it's 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 a nice way of um getting a little bit more money in well, I think, I mean, I think we could talk about this particular topic for hours, the, the idea of scaling a service business. I think it interests all of us and, and probably a lot of our listeners as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to explore this a little bit further down the road. I think let's wrap up today's conversation on, uh, on, on Ryan's journey here. Anything else, Ryan, that you want to include? And then, and then we can do any sort of parting thoughts and, and wrap it up. No, I think just sort of, you know, wrapping up the conversation at hand, um, when you're thinking about taking a full-time gig, if you're out freelancing full-time yourself currently or working on your own business currently, um, just take inventory of where you're at, right? Like, I feel like kind of a broken record. This is seems like it's always my advice is make the best decision based on your own unique situation. And I think that that requires being hyper 
in tune with your own situation, not just today, but where you're going to be in a month, two months, three months, right? And so for me, choosing to take the full-time gig with clothes um, was looking ahead and seeing like, oh man, if I'm burning out on what I'm doing with my freelance business, um, it's going to be twice as bad if after another three months of this. And so just being, being aware of where I was at um, mentally helped me a lot. I couldn't agree more. The self-awareness, uh, extremely important, especially when you are self-employed 100%, you know, but, but I think in any situation, the self-awareness, the situational awareness of where you're at and where you hope to be eventually, uh, it can, it can make all the difference. Mm. I'd say the beauty of actually having a side give gives you the freedom to jump between the two. Um, so Ryan, you've been in this, you know, this amazing situation where you was working for a company, you then had a side gig, you then went full time, you then found a new client. And if anything ever goes wrong with that, you can just jump back and, you know, when, whenever your situation changes, that side gig just gives you so much security and, and safety and stability and, uh, options to your life. So I, I just think. You know, your, your story of what you've spoken about now just shows what's possible when you do have um, a side gig. Okay. And if anything, it, it just reminds us all that sometimes as you're building your side gig, you can look or as you're building your own business or whatever, you can look around and feel like everyone's journey is so linear and that there must be just some recipe you can follow. But the truth of the matter is everyone's journey is so different and so uh, varies so much depending on your personal situation, your career situation, what you want out of life and out of work. So all that to say, we don't have the recipe. We wish we could just hand you one, but, uh, but, but I think we're all in agreement that, you know, just being very aware of where, where you are and where you want to be and then making decisions accordingly is the best route to take. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining this episode today. Appreciate your, your conversation. We'll talk again soon. There it is. A big thanks to Ryan and Ian for their help with today's episode. Be sure to check out their podcasts in the show notes of this episode as well. Before we jump off the air, remember to visit sidegigshow.com where you can subscribe to receive regular updates about the show and other podcasts by Milo as well. Today, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you might get a kick out of. The show is called You Got Job. Expert interviewer Suzanne talks to people who have funny, morbid, or unbelievable stories from their day jobs. There's a professional lice picker. Yeah. A magician's assistant, a jail guard. The jobs run the gamut and the stories are goofy and unforgettable. For more information, go to Apple Podcasts and search for You Got Job or visit yougotjobbed.com. Sidegig is a production of Milo. You can learn more about us and listen to our other podcasts at millo.co. This show was edited by the very talented Danny Gilman at echopodmedia.com. Thanks, Danny. Keep hustling, everybody, and we will see you in the next episode of Sidegig. Gig.